Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. My goal isn't to always just be better. My goal is to understand what's needed of my environment right now and what I want the future environment to actually look like. And if we're moving in that direction, if we're adapting to our environment and we're imagining what a better environment could look like, that's the path forward for me. My name is Esprit Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited to be celebrating remote companies this week. Yes, it's all about working remote. It's about running remote, which is an awesome, awesome event coming up in Bali. And so we decided to do a special feature of remote interviews for the week. And today we are celebrating Marcy. Hello, Marcy. Hi. I warned you I got loud. (laughs) That was great, though. (laughs) Marcy, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. No problem. And thanks again for having me. I really appreciate, um, you know, appreciate you doing this, especially for all of the remote culture teams out there. Um, So my name is Marcy and I work for Shopify and I'm the director of support uh, for our, our team all around the world, actually. So I actually joined Shopify about seven years ago when we were still in really heavy startup mode and the company was quite a bit smaller than it is today. And tell and, us what Shopify is. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Shopify is actually an online commerce business. Um, so we es- essentially make commerce, whether you're selling online, in person, from a bricks and mortar store, um, easily accessible for anybody who's wanting to do that from your small mom and pop shop or somebody just getting started all the way up to really large enterprise level clients. Um, Yeah, so that's basically what we do. And it's a SaaS company. So everything is subscription based and uh, everything is hosted, you know, in the cloud online. Um, Yeah, in so few words. (laughs) We do much more than that, but in so few words. (laughs) I mean, and Shopify has been this, um, it's kind of like Zappos. It's been this, uh, created a, a strong cultural impact in how businesses run and and also in fueling uh, the really positive company culture forward. Um, there's so much I'm excited to get into, especially since your passion is about um, supporting the customers. Um, but yeah, go into your background. That would be amazing. Yeah, no problem. Well, you know, it's a funny story. Uh, I actually was a wedding planner for about 10 years before I joined, I joined Shopify. And I really actually only joined Shopify as uh, as frontline customer support. So how we actually call 
our frontline team is gurus. So anytime one of our um, merchants actually contacts Shopify, they would be speaking with a guru. And um, I started in that position seven years ago. And, you know, some people kind of say like, oh, you know, wedding planner to uh, <laughs> customer support. <laughs> I think there's a huge connection. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the emotional experience that somebody essentially has with a, a brand or an event. And so I subsequently see a direct parallel, but uh, sometimes, you know, laying it out makes it a little bit, a little bit more clear. <laughs> um, and uh, I had other, other sort of... Um, uh, positions at different companies in the past, but that was sort of the bulk of it. I, I worked for a recruiting agency for a little bit. I did um, sort of uh, business development and sales for a little bit as well. But I actually joined Shopify because I had started a store um, when I was on um, maternity leave with my first daughter. And then I found out they were actually located in the city that I lived in, which I had no idea when I actually created that store. And so I ended up applying um, to the company and they hired me and you know, we, the the journey began there, I guess, really with them. Wait, pa- pause for one second. Why did you just, <laughs> I mean, being a wedding planner for 10 years. Right. Uh, if I, you don't mind me asking, why change? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, well, you know, weddings are always on weekends, for one, and right. al- always in the summer. And uh, being from Canada, you know, our summer months are limited. We know we don't have many, many of them. And so after I had my daughter, I just, I really, um, I really wanted to have some of that time back knowing that being, you know, raising a family and, you know, eventually kids would be going to daycare and school and it just wouldn't give me much time, um, with them. And so I really wanted uh, my weekends, you know, to be able to spend with my family. And when you're a wedding planner, you sort of take contracts up to 18 months in advance. And so, to sort of plan to start to phase out and not take on new clients meant that I had to find, you know, another way of, of, of working. So yeah, the last wedding that I did uh, ever was on my first mother's day ever. So it was a, it was kind of a pivotal moment in my life, I guess, and a really nice way to sort of, you know, close the chapter on that part of my career. And plus like all of my friends started getting married then at that point. So I really didn't, leave the passion for it behind I became the helpful friend and you know got no, to go to a lot of weddings amazing <laughs> no that's an amazing moment that I'd like to highlight for just a second um sharing that um that your last wedding was on Mother's Day and it was your your first Mother's Day with your newborn child if I'm understanding correctly and that and that that cemented like what I'm hearing is that cemented yes I made the right choice to transition out of this Definitely. Yeah, I've had no regrets uh, looking back on it, for sure. I think I think the reason why I wanted to to pause on that for a second is because lately, I mean, I've always, I'm a Pisces, so I've always been a little <laughs> bit like loopy that way. But lately, I've been really trying to tune in to kind of like the roadmap life is attempting to show me and just become more aware to it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that exists too? Like there's little like cookie crumbs of the path that's the most nourishing for us, but sometimes like we're not paying attention. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I'm not even a Pisces. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think that, um, you know, maybe, maybe this will resonate with you. Um, 
I really think that when you're paying attention to the environment around you and when you're paying attention to what that does to your instincts. So if we think about, you know, connecting, um, you know, how certain environmental factors actually make us feel inside, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they trigger, you know, even physical reactions of excitement or fear or mm-hmm. concern or curiosity. And often those things sort of materialize in your gut or in your heart before they actually make your way their way up to your head to be able to sort of logically categorize what your action will be as Absolutely. a result of those environmental influences. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think, you know, I've been working on as a human and as a professional. So taking in, you know, we can often just take in the you know, the apparent factors of the environment and the options laid out in front of us and then make a really practical decision. Mm -hmm. But I really find once we open ourselves up, like our whole selves up to seeing what those breadcrumbs, as you say it, are in front of us, then we're able to take those instincts and those intuitions and those emotions and those sort of somatic feelings and turn them into really like practical, logical outcomes when we spend time actually accepting that those environmental cues really are there for a reason. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have this weird thing, and this is going to be funny to talk about <laughs> on the Women in Tech podcast, but I experienced a, a heavy transition this week. Mm-hmm. And the day, uh, it was actually on, was it Friday? I think it was on Friday. Maybe it was, actually it was on Thursday, on Thursday. And um, on Friday morning, I woke up and the first thing, I woke up at like 4 a.m. or something. And the first thing I saw, I know I'm like the 4 or 5 a.m. club. And the first thing I saw was a $50 contribution to the Women in Tech podcast from Australia. Like it came in like that, like when I was away, like, you know, and I'm like, and and um, I, I'm just going to be really vulnerable here. I, I don't get a lot of contributions to the podcast. I'm not sure why, but I don't. And I really appreciate the ones that do come in. It means a lot. I, I, this is, um, I do the women in tech podcast because I, um, strongly believe in the positive impact and I'm really proud of its purpose, but it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and to have that random $50 contribution come in the, the morning after this huge transition in my life, I was like, yep. I'm on the right path, even though it doesn't seem to make sense most of the time. <laughs> like, like this is a, this is a breadcrumb being like, "Yep, just showing you you're you're going right. Don't worry about it." And I'm like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> you know? That is wow. so yeah. encouraging, isn't it? It really is. It's those micro moments when, whether or not you know they were meant to align or not, or it was just a coincidence of impeccable timing. No matter how you naturally resonate or where your point of inclination actually is like isn't that wonderful good for you yeah it was really trippy and that's what made me think like huh I wonder if there's just like breadcrumbs everywhere and I'm not paying enough attention or I'm too scared to see them because it's like stepping into the unknown or you know anyway I don't want to get off too much on a tangent but <laughs> I've um, about all of that for a very long what, time. <laughs> what really and I want to get back to like you know when you discovered Shopify and and how you started your role there but um just to jump around for a second and I hope um everybody listening isn't like frustrated with me I really loved what you said about um bringing together wedding planning and um 
customer support in a company and a tech company and how somebody would naturally just say, oh, they have nothing in common. And you're like, wait, they have everything in common. It's about it's about connecting on an emotional level. Um, I would love to explore that further. I just think that I don't hear that. I don't know if I've ever heard that. I've heard it in different ways, but not in the way that you said it. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. So the the unique position that Shopify has is sort of creating this um, this opportunity for people to fulfill something that in the absence of our platform might be incredibly challenging for them to do. So, you know, imagine um, you're somebody who's really exceptional in the craft of, um, you know, maybe you've made, you wanted to make shoes or you're, um, you've developed a product or you've wanted to develop a product or sell something Like you just want this, you, you want to be able to do it for yourself. Right. Um, and, and Shopify is the platform that would essentially allow you to be able to fulfill that or at least explore it in the very mm-hmm. least. And so, you know, there, there is a, there is a huge element to our platform um, creating, you know, emotional sentiments for our merchants, right? So it allows them to be able to do these things that they've always wanted to be able to do. And it's, so it has a little bit of, you know, some difference to it than maybe some other types of software that have, that fulfill different needs, right? And so, for me, when when somebody's in when somebody is trying to build a business or trying to figure out this path of entrepreneurship, like you should never underestimate the power of showing up for someone in their time of need. And so, a support team, which is the, which is my team, you know, is that human connection to our brand and the human connection to our product. And when people are um, reaching out to us, it's because they they need somebody to believe in them or to help them past an obstacle that they've recognized and and they've you know looked for help with it. And so, you know, not only does our product and our brand actually contribute to this sense of fulfillment for entrepreneurs, um, by proxy, the support team is the people extension of that. And so you know, so, so there's that piece to it. And then if you think about, um, you know, all of your other support experiences amalgamated into a single day, that's how you're actually going to equate your experience to, to connecting with Shopify support, right? So it's not just like they're comparing Shopify support to another company support. They're comp- you're comparing it to the amalgamated experience of, you know, the Starbucks coffee that you bought earlier that day or the check-in that you did to one of the um, Marriott hotels earlier last week or the pants you just bought from Lululemon. So it's your your interpretation is the amalgamated experience of any person that's represented a brand that you feel connected to. And then um, that's sort of how I look at the the responsibility of the people as it relates to our brand, right? So, you know, keep pace with what we're, what the rest of the industry is doing in that amalgamation, but also know that we're, we are here because people have, you know, we are showing up for them in their time of need more than anything. I mean, this is, I, I like you so much. Like, <laughs> I so speak your language. I mean, my whole, my whole um, ethos as a professional is about delivering experience and being compassionate and putting myself in someone else's shoes. Even if I, I get an angry customer or somebody in a bad mood, I, I try to come from a place of compassion, you know? Um, what, again, if you don't I, mind me asking, and I typically don't ask a question like this, but it's a very real thing. 
do you ever feel drained at the end of the day? Like, have you ever had like tough calls and then you feel depleted or how do you handle that energetically? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And I mean, everybody does. It's just that if everybody, you, everyone carries it a little bit differently, like how it impacts them. Right. And so, you know, when, when, when there is something that goes wrong, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to shake it for sure. At the end of the day, no, without a doubt. And, and it's not just our, our employees, right. If they have something difficult that they're going through and, um, and I end up, it ends up crossing, you know, my path and, um, same with our merchants as well. You know, I, I never really enjoyed the stories of someone really feeling totally exacerbated by whatever they're encountering in their life, but it's always so nice to hear, you know, the follow on to that when they've come out on the other side. So, um, yeah, there's certainly days that are easier than others and some that aren't as easy as others and the ones that are particularly challenging are definitely a little bit more challenging for me to shake at the end of the day without a doubt and what does your day-to-day look like (laughs) great question it depends (laughs) it depends on the week um I spend a lot of time uh with my team but I also spend a lot of time traveling and participating in the support like the tech community of support professionals, um, you know, learning and teaching as well. So day to day, there really is no regular day to day. But um, the consistent variable sort of week over week would be um, checking in with my team and my peers around what we're trying to accomplish. Are we on path to accomplishing what we set out to accomplish? And what do we actually need to get there? And then your week sort of, you know, contorts based on anything that factors or anything that changes around that type of conversation. And how is it different now versus you were a free agent when you were a wedding planner, right? (laughs) It was your own business. Yeah. So how's that going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did. Sorry, I shouldn't say free agent. I worked for um, another wedding planner actually for about four years before I, I started doing it on my own. So she definitely taught me everything that I know or knew at the time um, in, in that domain. Um, you know, it's not, it's not too different, right? Like if you're in, I, and I am inherently in the business of showing up in service, no matter what, like, I, I think you could take me out of indus- any industry and plot me into a different industry. And just my natural point of inclination will be to show up in service, right? So wedding planning, like, yes, I was my own, um, like, I had my own business, but like, my clients were everything to me. So I wanted to make sure that I, I you know, I, I was on their program, whatever they were trying to accomplish. Um, so I guess the only, there, there isn't tons of, there isn't a terrible difference between the two of them. There isn't a really big difference between the two of them as far as how I feel, except for now I don't have to do my own accounting. <laughs> but, but I mean, do you feel, do you ever feel restricted? I mean, maybe you don't have to sit at a computer all day long or do you like, is the lifestyle dramatically different or is it pretty Not simple? at all. Not at all. No, <laughs> I work, I work longer days and later nights when I have to now. And, um, I travel, I, I travel more now, I guess would be the only, the only difference. No, Shopify has never actually really made me feel like uh, they own me or my time. I, I will say that like they, they have a ton of trust in me. They, I have a ton of autonomy in uh, what I do and um, I've never felt like they 
owned me any more than I, I was when I was running my own business. And and maybe that's why it works, right? Like Shopify is the platform for entrepreneurs and I am through and through an entrepreneur. So maybe it just works that way. You know, maybe we found each other for the right reasons. I love this. And are you responsible at all for hiring or is that not your part of it? I mean, I, I once upon a time I was working, you know, once upon a time, like five and a half years ago, I was working on um, hiring specifically for the front line because we were still trying to figure out like the operational engine and the right way of actually, you know, crafting our interview cadence for frontline uh, people, uh, the gurus that we were hiring. So I've been involved in hiring at all levels of support um, my entire career at Shopify. And now I do still hire. I'm not in, ter- in terms of the talent acquisition piece, like the, the recruitment and sourcing and ex- uh, candidate experience type. That's not necessarily in my domain, but I am a hiring manager for some um for some roles and uh, i do participate in interview processes and that and kind of bringing it back to the beginning now and thanks everyone like for being patient with me i just find i find your why um so magnetic that i couldn't like let go of the why to go let's go through the timeline you know like <laughs> i'm just like i'm just like really in love with your why your your why for me feels so strong like you are so grounded into who you are and why you do what you do I find it really beautiful um so okay going back to the how how long have you been with Shopify now Uh, almost seven years so you had a career as a wedding planner amongst other things from time to time for 10 years and now you've been with Shopify seven years Mm -hmm. like you had tons of lives (laughs) (laughs) Um, and how many employees was it when you first started Oh, just in and around 100, I think. So still sizable, but nowhere where it is today. And how many employees are there now? Uh, At Shopify, I think we, I can't remember the last number that we publicly disclosed. (laughs) Do a low number then. It's in the multiples of thousands. Okay, that's perfect. So in the thousands, from the hundreds to the thousands. And what have you noticed about... um, how you've had to adapt to the culture shift as it as it's grown has it been a natural process for you or did you have any kind of learning um experiences in there to to morph into it scaling up with it oh my goodness yes and and i will forever right like every day that i do this is bigger than the day that i did it before so if i'm i'm totally kidding myself and removing any possibility of um you know tremendous growth if i ever think that i've got it figured out and so um you know some of the biggest hurdles for me were realizing um that i do i do know our business really well and um i've spent a lot of time actually so thank you for your comment i've spent a lot of time um, crystallizing my why and what that means for my team and what that means for how we show up in service to making our product better and supporting our merchants. Um, you know, some of the challenges along the way are just even developing my operational muscles. Um, it seems like the tr- with the tremendous amount of growth that we have, the scale at which the scale and velocity at which we're doing this, you know, even every every six months is a huge learning curve for me. And um, you always have to find new ways of adapting to your environment. I'd like to say to my team, um, I mean, depending on which way you look at it, I look at it as a glass half full, but my goal isn't to always just be better. My goal is to understand what's needed of my environment right now 
and what I want the future environment to actually look like. And if we're moving in that direction, if we're adapting to our environment and we're imagining what a better environment could look like, that's the path forward for me. If you're just trying to be better in your current environment, you're never going to be great. And so um, that's kind of, you know, I've spent a lot of time actually figuring out what that means to me and how that translates to how my team works. And by the way, I make it sound like it's all figured out. It's definitely not. You know, I have a t- I have a huge network around me that are always helping me develop, including my own leads, some mentors in Shopify, like professional executive coaching. Like there's a lot of people invested in seeing me succeed as well. Wait, okay. First of all, you're incredible. Before you threw me off with your executive coaching and mentors, which now I have questions about, and I, I'm going to drive the listeners crazy because I'm never going to get back to the proper timeline. Um, wait, how many people do you oversee? Uh, my team yeah. is is over a thousand people. And then, insane. And then when you started, how many people did you oversee? Ten. I mean, where I, where I was going to go with this. I mean, you started overseeing 10 people, never working for a tech company, right? Correct. And not working in customer support in in this kind of way to now overseeing a thousand people. First of all, I'm about to fall off my chair. Like, (laughs) have you ever thought about writing a book about it? Um, Do you mentor others? Um, So admittedly, I am a, I love to be in the weeds, right? So I, I, no, I haven't. I have thought about the the book thing, but the closest I got to it was um, there's a company called Zendesk, and they published an article on me for Internet International Women's Week, and um, that was the clo- that was the closest to anything. <laughs> yeah, me too. That was the closest I've ever done to anything like that, and it was a nice toe in the water. Admittedly, I am just getting more comfortable now with sharing my story and my views in a more public way. It was something that's been again a a growth path for me. I've always been a very um, private person, not very comfortable with sharing very publicly. But, um, you know, I really believe in uh, now I've been convinced after much development, <laughs> you know, the how important it is for people to be able to feel like they have something to relate to. And the more that we make people comfortable with growth and error, and we influence, um, you know, the whole um, the whole community of businesses that this is the right way forward. This is how you develop leaders. I have a whole other spiel on like how I think that that actually specifically influences female leaders. It gave me a purpose and it gave me a bit of a drive to step outside my comfort zone and begin to share more publicly. So even admittedly, this this interview here podcast, like this is very new for me to be able to talk about this type of uh, topic. Um, knowing that people are going to listen, maybe. Have you ever been interviewed on a podcast before? Just internally inside our company. I mean, this is, okay, first of all, <laughs> like, like I'd say under 1% of people I've had on my show have been interviewed on a podcast before, and I've done, um, I think, over 500 interviews. Wow. Um, which is really interesting to me, you know? Uh, I don't know if people just aren't looking for <laughs> or – or they're not asking, like something. It's. I mean, I feel honored that I get to be the the platform to like be like I was there first, you know. <laughs> like, um, um. I heard this thing once, and I want to get back to the executive coaching and internal things. It reminded me again of Zappos, funny enough. But um, 
I heard this, um, I'm not a religious person, but I, I was exposed to a preacher a while ago at a, actually a business talk. I didn't know he was a preacher. He was giving a business talk. And afterward, I'm like, how are you such a great speaker? He's like, well, I'm a preacher, <laughs> you know? But he said that um, if we don't share our talent, um, we're, we're being selfish. Like we, we're on this, this earth to share our gifts to um, positive, positively impact and empower others. And if we choose not to because we're afraid, um, because we're having ego-based emotions, um, we're being selfish with the talents that, you know, in his words, or I'll just use the word, uh, my word, the universe gave us, you know? I, I find that really interesting because this came up because I've always been really, uh, uh, I, I get nervous. I've given a zillion talks as well. And I get nervous before every single one and every single one. I'm like, I can never do this again. Like I'm too nervous. Like it's uncomfortable. Like my whole body body feels like physically like malfunctioning, you know? And, uh, and I, so I think about what he said a lot because a lot of people will come up to me for years and say that talk you gave changed my life and all these beautiful things. And I'm like, wow, like if I, if I stop, doing this thing that, you know, the universe or whatever word works gave me the talent or insight to do, uh, I would be selfish. I thought it was an interesting perspective. Um, I've heard something similar to that before. I think it was in even Michelle Obama's book where she talked about um, when you walk through the door of opportunity, it's our responsibility to hold it open for others. Yeah, I love that. I actually yeah. haven't heard that before. I, I might have, yeah. I, I might be paraphrasing or synthesizing it, but I think that's more or less the sentiment. I love it because honestly, Marcy, listening to you, and again, remember, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, and you know, between talks and podcasts and everything, it's well over the thousands. Um, because I have more than one show, and mm-hmm. I am really moved by what you're sharing. Thank you. I, like, I think it's important. Like, I would read your book. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could see so in this transition that I experienced last week, um, your book would have been helpful for me. Really? Yeah. And so hearing you say, you know, um, that you haven't been comfortable yet and you're working through your private book, just know what you have to share, at least I think so, is really valuable. And it's a nice it's a nice empowering perspective on how to run a company. It's, it's, it's in a very, um, it's very like wholehearted and um, it's pragmatic while still being spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just really great. I, I, so, so many things that you shared, but anyway, uh, on to the next, uh, moving on beyond the love tip. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you talked, you mentioned executive coaching and mentoring. Um, did, were you saying that Shopify provides staff, um, with uh, executive coaching and mentoring, or is this something you, you seek out on your own? Um, so Shopify actually has a team of coaches that works with senior business leaders. It is one of the most phenomenal investments I think that they've consciously made as a company. I am so jealous. <laughs> and then yeah. how, would you happen to know 
how they chose the executive coaching? Like, what was the criteria? Do you have any idea? I don't. Well, so interestingly enough, because I, I was, I started in the company so long ago when they were like before this um, team existed, like before. Oh, and Marcy, started. how long? Yeah. How, when, when did they start with executive coaching? How many years in? Not long after I had joined. So it, okay. it wasn't, yeah, it, it's been around for a really long time. Um, but yeah, so I think that um, the, actually the exec team had uh, coaches themselves and then they sort of tested it with a group of senior business leaders at the time to see, hey, can we help um, not just the execs, but some of the senior business leaders? And so I was part of the group that got to just sort of try and figure that out. Admittedly, I'm not I'm not overly familiar with what the strategic plan and what the growth path was for that team, but I do know that they have been active, you know, since the day that they started, since they since the day shop, I decided to try and figure out what to do with this, um, you know, with this opportunity. And um, for almost my entire career there, because I have been in a leadership position of such a big team, um, they've always invested uh, in in my development um, from the resources that that team provides. And uh, I think that in the absence of that, uh, I probably wouldn't be where I am today, without a doubt. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a really really great investment that I would say any company um, should do. And um, what does that look like? Uh, do you meet with them once a week, or what's that kind of relationship look like? Um, it depends. It kind of depends on what's going on at the time. But we do have a program, like we do have an actual coaching program, and there's all different types of coaching styles I think that exist. Um, I'm not familiar with the names. I wish I could remember all the names of them, but um, yeah, the 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 program that we do is sort of like, you know, it can be, you know, where do you want to be in six months and how do we get there? Or it can be sort of ad hoc, like what are the current obstacles that you're facing? We have uh, all sorts of internal resources that this team works on to provide at all levels of leadership, which is fantastic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's so many things that I, I want to ask and dive into. You're, you're, <laughs> you're really fascinating. One question that came to me, it's something that I've been thinking about um, a lot uh, lately because I've been an entrepreneur forever. And then the other kind of things that I do is money. And I feel like because you've had these different kind of careers and then you help all these people with their commerce businesses. Mm -hmm. Like what is your idea of money? And I'll give you a little more context. Um, this morning I was listening to how Jared Leto was one of the first investors in Slack and he'll probably make more as an investor in Slack than he's ever made in his acting career. I don't know if that's accurate. Don't write that in stone. I just heard that on another podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, a shout out to the podcast group chat, great podcast, general conversation about business and, and politics and, and pop culture and all the things going on today. Anyway, so they said this on, um, on group chat and it made me think about how, I don't know if, uh, we were in interview already, but like before we started recording, I think I was telling you the reason I created the women in tech podcast is because I, I believe we could only achieve what we believe is possible. And when I was thinking about this whole Jared Leto comment, I'm like, wow, what if money really is that fluid? And what if it's just about believing that money is fluid? You know, like that it's not 
I don't, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? It's like he just makes this 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 like investment into this tech company, and then he makes potentially makes more money than he did as a super successful A list actor. Like right at that point, money becomes monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I think I sort of follow what you're saying. I, I saw something recently on whether or not it's just um, internet fiction or what have you, but um, I think also um, there's something where Beyonce actually did a concert, I want to say for Uber, and instead of being paid her fee, she took the fee in equity as well. Yeah. And did you hear about that as well? No, tell me. Um, well, I like. That's I think it. I read it on like Refinery29 yeah. and maybe something like that. So I don't know. Yeah, I think like the the value, I think it was many, many years ago. But um, yeah, essentially um, she took that, I think, and reinvested it into her show through Netflix. Like it's talking, it's, it's, I think it's also capturing the same, if you just, if you look it up, like if you just Google Beyonce does show for uh, equity like I it'll talk about like that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think she takes it invested like it, it's talking about the multipliers of investments basically right so same, similar enough to what you're saying um I, I don't really know what your, your question was that you were asking me around my belief of money so. I, I guess because yeah <laughs> sorry so and that's why it's like I'm going with this abstract concept but I guess my end goal to what I, I'm trying to understand is is money like as a society, there's this construct of a nine to five job or conceptually sometimes we work like eight to seven, whatever, right? Nine yeah. to five job. There's this construct of the entrepreneur. Um, the entrepreneur um, is glorified, whereas like the nine to five is, you know, like the bad guy for some reason. I think that's so silly. Hmm. And then there's there's the the pathway of an artist that is typically the broke starving artist right and so society creates these constructs of like what each lane means financially and the cap on it and i feel like all these like kinds of constructs have a cap like you there's only so much for that lane only so much for that lane only so much for that lane and on the entrepreneur lane you either get zero or you get everything you know what mm, i mean and you don't yeah. know which one and so since you've been and you're exposed to so many realities, um, the uh, reality of having your own business, the reality of now working with a, a company, and, and I don't know what your situation was, the company, and it's not something we need to talk about, but, uh, you know, seeing, growing with, a, uh, I mean, um, scaling with a growing company, and then also serving like a sea of people who are... I believe like attempting to live outside of the construct, you know what I mean? They're, they're creating um, like their dream and then their dream hopefully more times than not turns through because Shopify is such amazing software solution to be able to execute on your dream and make it a real thing. As long as you do the work, like, um, and I mean, Shopify is just known for having the most robust educational tools to uh, in business to make sure to support you all along the way. I mean, this dates back. I'm sure. Did you work with the company then when Tim Ferriss did his whole build a what is it build a business? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's when I think that's when Shopify really took notice, like globally, <laughs> for sure. Um, but like, I just feel like you're exposed to so many different stories about money. Yeah. But and I get. I suppose my question that I've been trying to figure out how to ask, 
have you been able to pierce the constructs now? Kind of like the thing that happened to me this morning with this Jared Little Slack thing. And I was like, huh, interesting. Just like that, eh? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think that like, I think in terms of piercing the constructs, I think what it has working for Shopify has done for me is sort of ruptured the concept of those constructs for me more than anything, because I've seen, I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs, even in my personal life, I should say, you know, yes, I had my own business, but also my parents had their own business. Like they started it before I was even born. I'm the oldest of three children. You know, they went through crazy growth with theirs then they went bankrupt then they reopened and they've had their business now for um you know over 40 years my brother has his own business my husband has his own business so like i am i am consistently surrounded by entrepreneurs um and then being exposed to all levels of entrepreneurship especially uh, through shopify and the platform i think what it really has done is sort of paved um painted a, a better picture about you know what that accessibility to um, the journey of entrepreneurship has actually done. So, you know, you see people who um, who work crazy, crazy hours who invest and reinvest a ton of their time and profits into growing their business, um, you know, all for the long game all or all for the vision or and, and I don't think like the, the contracts sort of say if you work hard enough, then you will make it big. Right. Is sort of what I was getting from from what you were saying and i think what you what we realize um in working with multiple uh entrepreneurs at least having the chance to hear their stories is making it big means something different to a lot of people right to some people that's enough to pay for the dream house that they've always wanted and the dream house that they've always wanted might be a small cabin on the lake in the middle of the woods or it might be a glorious mansion in the middle of a metropolis city so everybody's um, aspirations in terms of what their those constructs actually um, maybe are, were thought to exist is totally different. Mm-hmm. And what this has done is sort of said, you know, you can do as much or as little as you want to be able to do. And you know, this is this is me speaking as me, definitely not as as Shopify, but um, you know, you see that on in any entrepreneurial story. And the best thing that Shopify has been able to give me is that understanding of there's so many definitions of a successful entrepreneur. Like there is not a single construct. There is no starving artist and there is no, you know, making it big as a, as a huge conglomerate necessarily. So success can mean many different things to many people. You know, it might be because you get to stay home, pay your bills, you know, you know, afford a few nice dinners a week, but you get to spend time with your kids and your family. Like it just means something different to everybody. So interesting. And to think about, I guess, to think for everybody, the takeaway they could have of it is to think about what it is that they actually want. Not like, oh, I want more money. Make it about right. like what, where is it that you're trying to get? What is the lifestyle that you actually want? Mm-hmm. And then how how do you make your life line up with that? I think after... After I heard that today, I just had this moment where I felt like maybe the only cap is my imagination. I mean, and execution, of course, but like, but the only cap we could put on ourselves is as far as we can imagine, which I, again goes like, we could only achieve as much as you could believe. And I suppose I believed bigger when I was like listening to that <laughs> your little slack thing. Um, 
we also have to realize that, you know, some people start out with more opportunity presented to them than some other people, right? So just their path or their speed of traveling that path could be quite different and somewhat unrelatable for other people too. Yeah, yes. However, I don't want to downplay it. I I started reading a few articles after I I heard that. Mm -hmm. And one of the articles um, said how he like hustles for opportunities that he doesn't get them so naturally and he finds the one that he wants and then he like grovels for them. Like he tried to invest in Instagram and they said no and he went back a million times. Mm -hmm. And I really loved that this like top-notch celebrity it wasn't beneath him to like hustle. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I agree. Yeah. Um, sentiment is there without a yeah. doubt. But I just like, even from my own perspective, like I am noticing, you know, there's, there's a growth path or a sliding growth path necessarily where I would love the opportunity to actually invest in some, you know, I think it's like less than 5% of founders of companies are actually women. And so I would love this opportunity to actually offer, um, coaching, mentorship, or some form of investment into, you know, female founded companies. And just actually finding that network is only becoming more accessible to me now. So, you know, there's, there's certain levels of like where, you know, where your network is taking you, like, not everybody's going to be invited to invest in Instagram to your point, but, you know, Jared Leto maybe has a different network than some people that would allow. No, but he got denied. <laughs> he got denied. So yeah. Um, are you familiar with Backstage Capital? Um, I've heard of yes. Arlen Hamilton, she's amazing, doing incredible things for women in technology as well as a bunch of other um, ethnicities um, and gender. She's just she is just a champion of of uh, humans. <laughs> wow. And um, she, her story, if you read her pinned post, I think it's one of the most incredible um, tweets that is succinct, sharing a story in the most brief way. Essentially, she she went from food stamps to a leading. Uh, uh, portfolio and venture capital within a few years it's wow. quite extraordinary um and she represents that the every just being human you know and and you know it's just really incredible the kind of um impact that she's made to show to show us as a society what's possible and then to also help so many people and i think i i have a relationship there and i'd love to make an introduction if, if you wanted to um i think they would find so much value in your mentorship. I know I would find so much, I've been finding so much value in, in this. I just, I, I think your um, insights are incredible. Um, bring, bringing it back, let's wrap it up by flowing into finally, as I promised everybody, the actual journey, which I do feel like we covered at this time, the timeline. You discovered Shopify when you built your your first shop, nothing, you weren't even working with them. You joined the, the customer support team and at that point, there were 100 people in the company. You were overseeing 10 people uh, on your team. And then you've been with the company now seven, seven years and, and counting. And now you oversee 1,000 people. And the company is at, in the thousands of employees. Did, did I get that right? Yeah, for the most part. So I didn't even, I didn't, when I started, I didn't have a team. I grew into a team lead position. So I was just you know, me and the phone queue and answering, you know, talking to our merchants more than anything. Yeah. And, and how did you get from there to a leadership position? 
Oh, <laughs> you know, that's a very reflective question. I don't know if we have enough time for that. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think what it comes down to is uh, we are in a hyper growth phase. We still are growing, you know, very quickly. Um, and I think part of it was, you know, your ability to actually just figure things out and take risks and, you know, look at new possibilities or new paths of getting to an intended outcome. And those would probably be where my skill sets lie. I really do understand our business and how our business relates to Shopify specifically. I think what some, you know, sometimes we end up finding ourselves in positions of like a rinse, repeat or model where like, oh, I did this at this company, so it must work here. I think I'm very conscious about, um, you know, how all the things that we were doing relative to our growth was really great for what was needed at Shopify specifically. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very willing to take risks. Um, I think I'm more than happy to admit that I don't know what I don't know, but I'm very willing to learn. And so um, we'll figure it out as we kind of go or keep going and we'll hire people to help support us in the things that we really don't know about. Um, but I, probably leadership is like, you know, stemming around my ability to, to see at that level of abstraction and believe in, you know, the power of a team and, and working together and truly a team, not a group of individuals with a relationship with their manager. Like it's very different. So I think that's probably that, you know, coupled with my tolerance for risk. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I have so enjoyed this conversation. I think that so much of what you shared is going to help several people. And I hope that you continue to share and, and be that mentor and hopefully even write a book one day. I just, <laughs> I'm really inspired by your story. How can people connect with you, you further? Oh, great question. Um, probably finding me on LinkedIn, although admittedly, I don't have the most, um, you know, <laughs> the most attached to my profile and I'm not very active on Twitter. This is all again, what we talked about earlier. Um, I'm still working on becoming a little bit more comfortable with opening myself up more publicly, but I have someone who's helping me with all of that. And so, you know, if you can find me on LinkedIn, that's probably the easiest way to, to get in touch with me. And can you spell your name for everybody? Yeah, it's Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E. And my last name is Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. And, and Marcy, um, what is your favorite app, uh, software or hardware, just one of them, uh, like personal or professional? What's, what's your go-to? Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're like, let me grab my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do I use? I mean, what do I use the most? I want to say like the food delivery apps. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> is there a particular one that you have a top, top of mind? No, it's just whatever has what I feel like eating available in it. <laughs> and what's one second one? Does any any software, app, or hardware come to mind? Um, well, so I use a lot of them right for work, but um, I'm a huge, I love music. I really love music. And so the one that I probably use the most is Spotify. I also have a terrible sense of direction, so I constantly use Waze. Yeah, um, totally. And uh, yeah, so those are probably the two. It's nothing. I wish it was more exciting. Um, and, and for those yeah. of you who don't know, because I never like to assume, Waze W A Z E is a navigation tool, kind of like Google Maps. But um, yeah, 
it sometimes gives you better shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to ask, like, I think two more, actually, one, one question is, uh, what's your favorite book? Oh, um, yeah, I like the, hmm, like, like business book or non-business anything. book? Right. Okay. So I really like the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> you can read it. It's a great story. Can you story. say it again? What's the title again? Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Okay. <laughs> and I like the business book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just starting to read Creativity Inc. So I'm trying to see a little bit more around that one, which is, I think, from the... Um, from written by Pixar. Awesome. Actually, yeah. I'm going to scratch that. My favorite business book is Be Our Guest, The Disney Experience. Ooh. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. And then I have I have two last questions that I don't usually ask at this time, but I just have to ask before before we totally conclude. Yeah. Is um one is uh your favorite thing about the culture at Shopify and then the last question is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcame overcome and how you overcame it um let's start with the culture at Shopify what's your absolute favorite thing about working at Shopify yeah i have to say um the the people and and my team are hands down my favorite thing about the culture and um the fact that the culture at Shopify is so uh, deeply invested in seeing people be the best that they could be. You know, I think that we show a ton of graciousness towards you know people giving their best and most creative hours of the day towards seeing our company succeed. So I think at the at the core of it, um, that is my favorite thing about the culture there. And is it a fully remote team? So my team specifically is about 98% remote, but Shopify um, is not a fully remote company. We have offices in many different places, but we also have a very big remote team that isn't in support as well. What's one tip you would give on culture-based communication when working remotely as your team? Like, what's one thing to keep in mind that somebody could walk away with me like, oh, okay, like we should make sure that we're on top of that? Mm-hmm. to, to ma- maintain um, a connective culture. Right. I mean, it might be different for any every company, but I think that I don't, you, you know, make sure that you're having actually a very good balance of written and video-based communication. Um, and knowing that, you know, there is a higher risk for somebody to feel out of the loop or disconnected and being sort of consciously mindful of, communicating with people especially sensitive um, or emotionally triggering information is probably still best relayed in a hot form of communication so if we think like in person is the best like what's the next best opportunity is it video is it a telephone call is it something you probably don't want to do over a text message like you have to sort of think of that spectrum of communication mediums and so just being hyper conscious that Sending an email might not always be the best solution. Perfect. And Mm -hmm. an obstacle that you've overcome and how you overcame it. Oh, you know, every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Admittedly, I probably haven't, you know, given that enough thought uh, because it feels like 
a lot of the time. Um, okay, so you know what? I'll just say public speaking because that has been that was something that was extremely crippling for me. This idea that I could possibly, you know, I've asked people or people have expected that they're going to get a ton of value from giving me their time in listening. So I think one of the most terrifying things I ever did was uh, when I did public speaking really for the first time was like in front of two thousand people, and I had this like, oh my god, what if is this a giant waste of their time? And, um, you know, this, this concept of like, what if somebody doesn't like it, they feel like they've wasted their time, this wasn't valuable to them. Um, and overcoming it, simply just doing it. And then when the feedback came in, it was like, mostly good. But those one pieces that just, you know, where you realize, oh, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't live up to their expectations. Um, just also, yeah, overcoming it was just sitting with the fact that that was going to be the reality from here on out, right? And you can't be everything to everyone. I still struggle with that to this day. Um, but uh, so I would say I'm still overcoming it, but it doesn't hit me nearly as hard as it used to. And um, overcoming it for me still has, it, you know, it's with um, how do I help other people with the same fears and concerns and tell them my experiences and support them when they get that information too. I also find that actually extremely helpful for myself when I'm able to help others with it. So and um, how did yeah, you, I just did it. <laughs> how did you practice? Was it with Toastmasters or did, did the executive coach help? Um, when I first did public speaking, um, I specifically hired a public speaking coach that helped me develop a storyline and then I had a team of peers, like people that I worked with that I just really trusted. And I knew that they would give me really, you know, really great radical candor from a place of, you know, deep care because they'd want to see me succeed. And they stuck through me with like refining and refining and giving me feedback through my entire presentation. So they made me feel incredibly prepared for it. But doing it on your own, I would never recommend, you know, find that find that group around you that will tell you how it is no matter what, because, you know, at the end of the day, they want to see you succeed and they care about your success. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I sought that out for sure. The best, the best advice I've ever gotten, um, about speaking was from my friend Mark Hemian and I'm probably butchering his last name. He <laughs> created the YouTube. He was one of the artists that designed the YouTube player. He said, people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah, that was Maya Angelou. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? So yeah, he, that is her. he copped it from her? Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, people, will never, people will never, they they will forget what you did. They will forget how you did it. Um, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he just like edited that. Hey, no, you know what? Wisdom is meant to be shared. It's not, it's not, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> uh, what was the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Um, right. So this might be contentious, but it has been extremely valuable for me. Um, it, and, it, and it really helped me come into more of my own and the practicalities that I feel necessarily about being a woman, a woman in leadership was um the best piece of advice was just actually rather than trying to put aside the challenges that I'm going to face for a very long time as being a woman in a leadership position, um, rather than actually trying to pretend that like they, don't, they don't exist or overcoming them necessarily, how do I work within the, not work within the constraints, but how do I acknowledge that they exist 
so that I can move without trying to pretend like they don't. Because pretending like something doesn't exist actually creates more friction in your path forward, at least for me. And so, um, you know, I have, um, I'm younger, I have long blonde hair, I have like, you know, a very bubbly personality and um, just sort of accepting like that, you know, maybe my physical persona is something that, um, you know, might not might be somewhat incongruent with like traditional expectations right. and I've never experienced this I should say I should never experience this inside the walls of Shopify ever um, but just understanding like how that could you know create some obstacles for me in the future and just being really prepared to own my confidence my skill set and what I believe to be true um, you know without kind of letting those things keep me back then um, acknowledging them rather than pretending they don't exist is probably the advice that has been the most helpful for me. When I was in, I think it was in, it was either Lat- Latvia or Bosnia, and I was interviewing women in tech there. One of the women told me that she was invited to speak at a conference, but only if she brought a man with her because mm-hmm. she wasn't like good enough on her own. And I was like, wow, that like really happens. And she declined and she said, no, I, I am the person that has the, the insight on this topic and I could give a speech. And if you don't want just me, then I'm sorry, I can't do that. It was really interesting. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. So it kind of like reminds me of, of, of that in a way. I love it. It's been, thank you so much for uh, spending extra time. And this has just been such a fantastic, insightful conversation I can't wait to to share with everyone and I I'm really just stoked is there anything that they that you wanted to share further um that I didn't get to I feel like we got to so much (laughs) no yeah we got to tons I mean you know I'm, I'm just really excited for your listeners to feel like they're gonna have a really great future ahead of them you know um anybody who's really invested in all of the things that are going to make them more successful are, are probably going to see some of the fruits of that pay off. Right. And so, totally. um, you know, I always like to sort of encourage um, women in leadership positions or aspiring leadership positions to think of anybody of any gender as being your ally. So more women in leadership or more women in tech doesn't mean less people of any other gender identity. It just means that we all have to figure out ways of empowering one another to work more collectively. So that's just sort of my two cents and how I look at everything. Um, Yeah, that would be kind of it. Yeah. Same page. I believe in collaboration, not competition. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Be sure to say hello on social, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Women in Tech Show. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. This is Marcy Murray. I'm the director of support for Shopify. I'm based in Ottawa, Canada, and Shopify is a company that's making commerce better for everyone. And you're listening to Women in Tech. Women in Tech is an independently funded project funded by you, the community. 
So the way that you could support us is by going to patreon.com slash women in tech and making a small contribution. Every little bit counts. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash women in tech. Thank you so much for believing in our vision. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.